You're listening to Alpha Health and Wellness Radio. I'm your host, Dr. Haley Schaff, and my goal is to empower you to become the alpha of your health. Welcome back to another episode of the podcast. In today's episode, I figured that we would dive into different forms of exercise and kind of talking about the different benefits and how you can take the different benefits that you're looking to get from exercise, craft it into your own type of routine for your goals and obviously health and longevity. Because I think a lot of people, when we think of exercise, we think of aesthetic goals or physique goals, but there are a lot of health benefits that come from various parts of exercise too. So when we're diving into kind of all the different categories, we are going to talk about how they can support both longevity and maybe short-term goals that you might have. So, and I think it's really important to also note that no matter where you are, you can take bits and pieces from all the different parts of, of the exercise that you're looking for and find different ways that you can implement it that works for you. For instance, there's some people that do something every day, which I think our bodies are meant to stay in motion. So doing something every day, maybe that's like a lighter intensity, like a walk or simple stretching. Like our bodies aren't like, I think when people hear off days, they think, okay, I just don't do anything. I... I mean, maybe sometimes that's that's definitely needed, but going for a 10 to 15 minute walk one to two times a day on a day that's off, I mean, that should still be, in my opinion, a non-negotiable. We have an incredibly sedentary, incredibly, incredibly sedentary society. And I, I'm not saying that that's where all of our problems are coming from. Obviously, you've been listening to this podcast, you know, the food system and the ingredients that are in food and the chronic stress that's on our society. Obviously it's not just a one, one problem or one issue that is causing this, but we, we are very incredibly, incredibly sedentary. And even to build off of that, even people who maybe work out 45 minutes to an hour in the morning, but then they sit at a desk all day, that, in my opinion, is still sedentary. So that's why I'm a huge fan of movement snacks. Movement snacks are just little period, period, periods of movement or periodic movement that you might get throughout the day. So say you are that person, you work out 45 minutes, 30 to 60 minutes, say you work out in the morning and you do that most days of the week, but then you sit all day at your desk job. You still, again, are sedentary. So what are ways that you can help to boost that non-activity uh, non-energetic activity thermogenesis, NEAT, we call it. So essentially that is not specifically exercise that you're doing the day, but just ways that you can boost activity and boost your, um, metabolism, I guess you could say also periodically throughout the day, despite being sedentary. Well, one way to do that would be to stand, um, standing, although you're not moving, you're still way more active. I'm standing as I record this and I can feel contractions in my legs. I'm kind of squeezing one leg, squeezing the other leg. I'm standing on one foot, standing on another foot. It's not crazy active. It's I'm, I'm not fatigued from it by any means. It's not like, I'm like, holy cow, that was super hard. But by the end of the day, I'm like, okay, I'm tired. I, I want to sit down now. Because you have to engage your core, because if you don't engage your core, your back might arch. So you're just so much more aware of almost postural muscles. So 
I have a lot of people that I work with that I really urge for them to get standing desks. The one that I have, I got from Amazon and it's amazing. It, it does go up and down. I've never brought it down. Like if I'm in my office working, I'm pretty much always standing. And then a second part to that is there's little under the desk treadmills that people can get where they're a little walking pad. And I've thought about getting it, but for the most part, when I'm at my standing desk, I'm either creating content um, like videos, webinars, podcasts, or I'm on virtual calls. And that would just be incredibly distracting. I can't be on a walking treadmill. Otherwise, when I'm doing kind of other aspects of work, I'm generally various places throughout the house. So I'm not always at my standing desk for that. So for me, the walking pad, I don't know, I still might change my mind on it. So don't hold me to it. But that's a great option, though, if you are somebody who maybe isn't on calls a lot during the day, it's just kind of more productive work, or like you can just kind of sit behind your computer and do what you need to do. I think that would be really helpful for a lot of those people. Um, Or um, other parts of movement snacks, setting a timer every 90 minutes or two hours, just you take a break and you do something for three to five minutes. You can pace around your work area. You, if you work from home, you can walk around your house. If you work in an office, you can walk around your work area or walk around, just like pace around the office, go fill up your water, go just take a few laps. I mean, it doesn't have to be crazy. Like it's not like you're going to be, you know, breaking a sweat, busting out 25 burpees, 30 burpees. I mean, you can do that if you want, if you work from home and you want to do that by all means. I mean, sometimes I'll just do two sets of 10 to 15 push-ups in between calls, or I'll just do some stretching or I'll do a few walking lunges or I'll hold up. Like it doesn't have to be crazy. Like sometimes I literally will just pick simple body weight exercises and I'll do them periodically throughout the day. It really doesn't have to be crazy, but I will tell you just the mental clarity that you get from it. The brain fog goes away. You just almost get like a boost of mental clarity, but then it really is your, it is adding to the amount of movement and minimizing the amount of sedentariness that you are having throughout the day. So honestly, if you do nothing else, if you don't even work out, but you just try to be more mindful, just add in movement snacks throughout your day, like start there. So add in the snacks, add in the movement snacks, mindful movement throughout the day, get a standing desk. Like, as I'm saying that, I'm like, I can feel like my leg workout from this morning. It's just crazy. Just the difference in how much more in tune you feel with your body when you're kind of forced to like pay attention to it more. It's, it's very interesting. So there's a lot of different benefits and from obviously a productive standpoint, but also a pain-free standpoint to a just movement standpoint that you can get through those just simple things throughout the day. Um, so with that being said, let's kind of move into different aspects of exercise and talk about the benefits, talk about what they're good for. So first one, we can start with strength training because I'm very biased to strength training. It is one of my favorites. Strength training is resistance training. So you can do resistance training with your body weight. You can do resistance training with weights, but you want to do it to the point where it is challenging and fatiguing the muscle. So you can do that in two ways. You can do more reps less weight, or you can do less reps, more weight. Both are going to equate to strength gains. However, technically they say if you want more hypertrophy, which hypertrophy is muscle building, they say that muscle building comes from more of that like 10 to 15 
to up to 20 rep range, whereas the strength technically comes, they say comes from lesser reps. So like three to kind of five reps. So that's saying, okay, I have a barbell on my back. I'm doing a load where I can't really do much more than three to five reps. That's kind of where the strength gains are coming from. And with that working with percentages or RP is really helpful. And I can dive more into that. This is, I always kind of try to keep it pretty, you know, aerial view. Uh, and then I can dive in deeper because obviously everybody's at a little bit different point on their journey. Um, but then hypertrophy, like I was saying, is, is a little bit more of kind of the repping it out, feeling that burn. And arguably, I don't know how incredibly true like those ranges truly are because I know people who just do like strength training, like the lower reps, higher weight and in their freaking jack. They don't do a lot of hypertrophy training. So that's why I say that definitely with like, a, I mean, you're still going to be gaining muscle either way. Um, but strength training in general is essentially breaking down muscle tissue to make it stronger using resistance. So resistance can come from your own body weight, push-ups, squats, planks, pull-ups, all those different types of things to working into dumbbells, to kettlebells, to barbells, all the different types of things. Strength training is incredibly important because it is going to give you that toned look. That's where you get the toned look from. You don't get toned from endurance, which we'll talk about endurance stuff in a second, but you get that toned appearance because tone is muscle. Like I, I love when that's like all over like the women's magazines is this is the marketing to men and women is just so funny to me. It's like, get jacked, get super toned. It's like, it's the same fucking thing. It is literally, sorry. It is the same thing. It, it is burning fat and building muscle. And honestly, the best way to burn fat is to build muscle because muscle one takes up so much less space, like one pound of muscle and one pound of fat look incredibly different. Like it's just muscle is just so much more dense and condensed than, than fat tissue. Fat tissue takes up a lot more room. So that's why when people say, oh, the scale's not moving, but my clothes fit better, I'm going down in sizes, or I feel less puffy, or I feel like my shape is changing, that's because they're building muscle. And again, you build muscle when you are breaking down muscle. So in the gym, you are breaking it down. You are breaking down muscle tissue. So that's why diet and recovery is so incredibly important if you're looking to see results. Like I see people who are burning the candle at both ends. They are working so incredibly hard, but they are severely under, under nutrition and especially under protein. Because if you don't give yourself the building blocks that you need after a workout, you're just breaking it down. So you're not going to get much further than that. So nutrition is incredibly important. And you, especially like within an hour after training, you want to have a good 25 to 40 grams of protein to really fuel that muscle protein synthesis. So essentially that rebuilding a muscle tissue with muscle, uh, with muscle growth, obviously we see improved glucose sensitivity. So the more muscle that you have, the better you have the ability to control glucose levels. So muscle almost acts as a sponge to glucose. So the more muscle you have, the more glucose it will take out of circulation because your muscles need that for energy. And if you carbs that you eat, so say the carbs I eat for dinner, those are stored in my liver and muscles so that I'm using them that next day for my workout. So it's cool because you really can be so much better of a nutrient, uh, especially 
carbohydrate and just you you can be so much more efficient with your energy when you can store it properly and muscle is a great way to do that muscle has been linked to improved cognitive function more muscle has been linked to decreasing things like dementia and brain ish and brain um ailments such as alzheimer's dementia all those types of things it is literally it it it, it just honestly I can't believe the more people don't take advantage of it. I'm sorry. Like there's so many people that I work with. Like I'm just so passionate about it. It's like, we got to get you strength training. We have to get you strength training. We have to get you doing something to be strong because I mean, we look at grip strength. Um, I forget the correlation. I wish I looked it up before recording this podcast, but higher grip strength was correlated to lower all-cause mortality. So essentially the better grip strength you have, the less likelihood you have of dying of anything. Um, and grip strength doesn't mean that you can do 50 million pull-ups. Obviously, if you can do 50 million pull-ups, your grip strength is out of this world. But grip strength is essentially um, like just relatable to like any form of strength. Like anytime you want to pick something up, if you need to hold your body weight up for something, like all of that is correlated to get grip strength, which they've correlated that to decrease in all-cause mortality, which is really cool. It was um, I remember learning about that actually like years ago because um, when my mom was getting really sick and she was getting weak. I would like force her to do like the um, little grip strength things. And it just, it was sad how like hard that got for her. Um, Just like with how weak and stuff she got. But um, anyways, if you're not strength training, you a thousand percent should be. And it doesn't have to be crazy. You don't have to be. I know like sometimes when people watch videos of me, it was funny. I had somebody come into the office and she's like, She's like, my husband said, you're going to get my ass in shape. Um, Cause we were working with like functional health. And she's like, I showed him your videos on Instagram. And I get that. I know that sometimes like the way that I maybe like you see people like throw a barbell around or just like the stigma behind it can be intimidating. You know, we've got the heavy rock music or whatever. And it's like, you're just screaming and grunting. And like, I get how that can be intimidating. I remember walking into the, so the summer uh, in high school, they had like the we call it like stadium support that would be open for like people to go work out. And by people, mainly the football team was there. And me and one of my girlfriends would go every morning and like the intimidation that we got, like we were like stick thin. Um, we were trying, we were gaining muscle, but like we were so tiny. And then there's people with freaking chains on the bars, the grunting, like the hardcore metallic, like it's intimidating. I get that. I think um, the stigma around it is becoming more inclusive. Like you don't have to be like that to strength train. Um, As you can tell, like this is probably one of my favorite parts of exercise to talk about, but I do love all parts of exercise. So we will get to the others. Um, Other benefits of strength training. Oh, we talked about, I mean, the glucose sensitivity, the all-cause mortality. I mean, just about the mental health and the empowerment, like being able to do what you, like being able to do something that you didn't used to do is one of the coolest things like being able to lift your body weight or lift half your body weight or push something over your head that you couldn't do before is a really freaking cool feeling and so that in itself is really great um strength training is just is incredibly important however strength training doesn't have to be the only thing in your routine there's so many other aspects of strength training that or there's so many other aspects of training excuse me that can be added to your routine for benefit so a kind of mixture of the two we can say um, is HIT. So HIT stands for high intensity interval training. A lot of people do HIT wrong. A lot of people think that anything with circuits is is HIT, and that's not true. So HIT, true HIT, is only sustainable 
for about 20 to 30 seconds max. It is true all out effort. So if you can do something for a minute, that's not hit. That's not true hit. That's like interval training, right? But hit is true hit is something that you truly cannot sustain for more than 20 to 30 seconds, aka max assault bike or max burpees or um, like something like a sprint, like those things are hit. So hit type classes or should be at least um, designed where it's all out effort for about 20 to 30 seconds maximum. So Tabata technically could be a hit if you're pushing it enough. Um, and the benefit of hit is because you really tap into that metabolic component. Um, that is true metabolic conditioning. So like a lot of like CrossFit Metcons are kind of hit-ish in nature. Um, they're, they're definitely a mix of like hit and endurance. But like I was mentioning, Tabata, great, great form of hit because it's like 20 seconds on, 10 to 20 seconds off, like, cause you truly cannot do it for much longer than 10 to or 20 to 30 seconds. Um, actually, now that I'm thinking about it, true hit really should have a little bit longer rest period. Um, but I would still consider Tabata, like, I guess part of that classification, but I guess true like definition hit would be like 20, 30 seconds on 30 to 60 seconds rest. Cause you truly want your heart rate to fully recover before you give it that all out interval again. So but like I was, so, so that's kind of like the true definition, but like I was mentioning, there are classifications that fit underneath that as well, which can still be beneficial. So let's just call this like circuits or interval training. We'll call it interval training. So interval training is kind of a nice mix between strength and endurance and cardiovascular health, um, because you're kind of getting into like that zone two to three cardio, which zone two is kind of more like steady state typically, which steady state is like your heart rate's not going up and down. It's kind of like staying at one point. It's like a jog. Uh, for me, it takes a while for my heart rate to get it zone two. Cause zone two for me is like one thirty. Um, so like you're kind of like at a sustained pace. Think of it like that, like a consistent, um, you know, jog on like a, a bike or something like that. Like that's kind of, or this is like a very light jog. That's kind of more zone two. Whereas the circuit and interval training, you're kind of getting your heart rate into more zone three, sometimes four, depending on how heavy and hard you're pushing. But the benefits of that are great because you are burning through carbohydrate as fuel so much quicker. Like carbohydrate is the main source of fuel for that. Um, which I guess I should have mentioned that earlier um, for strength training creatine is really helpful like within those low rep ranges whereas then again we get like the carbohydrate for fuel uh into like the 8 12 10 12 15 rep range like that's where that's what your body's using as a substrate for energy so back to the circuit training it's nice because you can still use resistance training with this like say you're doing like a mix of different movements but it's under a time crunch so you're getting your heart rate up a little higher um, which can accentuate fat burn, especially if you're getting into that two to three, you're getting a sweat, you're building that cardiovascular and endurance. Um, with HIT, I think it's an, an intensity training, higher intensity training like that. Um, I, I see it as something where it really depends on how much you do it should depend on like where your hormones are at, um, where maybe where you are in your cycle, how your body's feeling, how well you feel recovered, like a more conditioned person can tolerate it more than somebody who is maybe struggling with cycle health, they have no progesterone, they're living off of caffeine, like they probably under eat, like not a super great candidate for doing hit 
multiple times in a week. So it really does depend. And I hate like living in the absolutes saying, oh, women should only do hit one to two days a week or women shouldn't do hit at all or women can do hit every day. It's like, oh my gosh, it's so hard to like know what to do, right? But we're all very different and we all have very different needs. And so because of that, it's really important to take into account like where your body's at. What are your stressors? How is your body feeling? How conditioned are you? All those things go into effect. And what's super interesting, um, women being conditioned um, and, and to what they can hold and what they can tolerate can go back into like how conditioned they were when they entered uh, puberty. So super interesting. Like if you were somebody who wasn't an athlete until later in life, um, you your body's probably a lot more sensitive to forms of training than like if you were an athlete your whole life and you just, your body's kind of more used to it, I guess is the, the right word. Uh, maybe not the right word, but what I'm trying to say um, so there's so many different considerations to take into account. HIT is really helpful for glucose sensitivity. It's really great for just a great stress relief. Like I don't know many people that like leave a spin class or orange theory or whatever being like, oh my God, I hated that. That was horrible. Maybe you do, but most people like really do feel that endorphin high. So it is helpful in a lot of those ways. It's great for building up again, that cardiovascular fitness with that. You're going to notice a lower heart rate during the day or just like a better heart rate recovery because you are con more conditioned. So again, with that, you just, with HIT, you just do want to make sure you're minimizing other forms of stressors and uh, truly mitigating a good balance. I think both of those things can work in tandem. And then the third would be kind of more endurance type things, whether that's jogging, cycling, uh, rowing, like long distance, like all that type of stuff could be considered endurance. I mean, hiking. Um, so usually with endurance, you are hanging around like a zone two cardio, whereas hit, you can start in maybe sometimes two to I'd say up to zone four, whereas usually for endurance, you're anywhere from around like zone two to three. Um, I love that the Apple watch does track that now it's just helpful. Like I don't, tell myself, oh, I need to get X amount of zone two cardio a week or I'm a failure. I don't necessarily do it that way by any means, but I do like to kind of see where my body's at. Um, endurance is great. Endurance is so good for cardiovascular health. Um, as it's still great for endorphins. However, with an, with cardiovascular, it is, uh, you're not going to get as much of like that muscle build. Um, and because it, can raise cortisol. Um, that's why I see a lot of people who do ultra stuff, like, uh, especially women who do like Ironmans and, um, marathons and half marathons. If they go in doing endurance, thinking that it's going to be a weight loss feat, um, it's probably not because if you're doing endurance with the sole purpose of weight loss, you're doing it wrong. Because if you, if that is your mindset, you're likely restricting, and your body is probably going to be inflamed because of all the cortisol. Like I've known people who have done things like that to try to sole reason to try to lose weight, not to hit a goal or anything like that, but just to lose weight. And they end up really shooting themselves in the foot because they end up so much more inflamed they were than when they started. So if you enjoy endurance stuff and that's like what your calling is, just make sure that you're managing inflammation, you're doing adequate recovery. And I think with endurance, it is so important to cross train because there's so many people that do these marathons, half marathons, whatever, and they lose all their muscle or they lose a lot of their muscle. I, I shouldn't, we don't live in absolutes. So you don't lose all your muscle, but you do lose a lot of it if you're not using it because 
if you don't, you don't use it, you lose it. Um, and so of course you're still active, but it's a different type of training. So cross training can look different throughout whatever endurance feat you're doing, but adding in even like one to three days of like total body, even if it's 10 to 15 minutes on top of whatever your training looks like is generally what I've seen to be quite successful. Um, so I think that's pretty much, oh, and then we obviously have like lower intensity stuff. So lower intensity would be, I would classify as like walking, stretching, yoga. And by yoga, I mean like general yoga, not like, uh, I mean, it depends on the type of power yoga or hot yoga, but like very restorative. Like you're going to yoga for like restoration, not for like a crazy workout. Um, Walking, I mean, walking truly is one of the best exercises for fat loss because it's low cortisol, it's fat burning because your heart rate's low, Um, you're not tapping into carbs for fuel, you're tapping into fat. So anything like lower like that is more fat as a substrate because fats, um, it's it's a slower burn. Like carbs are like a really quick, fast burn. We need it for energy quick, whereas fat takes a little bit longer to be able to use. But once you tap into it, it is a great substrate. And you really get that through more like long endurance type things. So like hiking, rucking, walking, even um, great ways to be able to burn fat. So you can really help your body utilize multiple different forms of substrate and fuel through different forms of exercise. So that's what I love, just being able to kind of be strategic about it. Um, And again, it's not all about the aesthetic portion, but a lot of people out here are doing crazy hit and cardio thinking. And, and, and trust me, I, I love that feeling too. Like as a athlete, like that is, I love that type of training, but I literally love walking so much. Um, is this great to clear my mind? It's, it's, I, it's almost meditative. Um, if you, if you enjoy walking, you know what I mean, but, um, it, your, your heart rate's in a zone where you can easily carry on a conversation. So it's, it's again, like lower heart rate. That's where you're really tapping into fat for fuel. Um, other forms of, I guess, and like, a, I guess I would consider some form of Pilates, like a lower intensity. Um, some of that definitely could be also carried into resistance training for sure, because Pilates is tough. Pilates is very hard. It's like slow, movement that really makes you focus on areas where you need to strengthen, which is, is really cool. And I think you can absolutely have a mix of all of the above. I'd say the ones that I gravitate mostly towards is I usually strength train a few days a week, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, I'll do like a, a Peloton ride. Thursday's completely off usually where I'll just do like tons of miles of walking and it's like low intensity, like around here where we live, it's very flat. So like I'll just loop it around the neighborhood a billion times um, because walking just feels good for me. But like I'm not fatigued. I'm not sore. I'm able to use that day to fully recover so that Friday and Saturday I can hit it hard with a workout again. Um, I guess we consider walking or golfing and stuff on our off days too, which sometimes the golfing is more intense just because it is a little hillier where we are, but where we are, where um, we play golf. But um and then, you know, we, we walk the dog every day. Sometimes we're doing, sometimes our workouts are a little bit more hit than others. Sometimes are more strength. So I'd say I really just like to get a mix of all the above. And if you're somebody who's kind of wondering where your routine fits in all this, just, just 
you know, take kind of a step back and look at where your stressors are. And if you really have like underlying hormonal stuff going on, it's never a bad idea to just kind of ask your practitioner. I've had people come to me who I work with a lot of like high level type A, um, I mean, various forms of athletes, bodybuilders, et cetera. And like, I'm not going to tell somebody like that. They can't do anything um, because I wouldn't listen to that advice if it was given to me. So um, that's just my style. But we kind of find ways that we you can do what you love that works with your, you and your hormones. Because there are, there are different times in your healing journey where things do need to be dialed back or things need to be a little bit more, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? intentional. Uh, so it doesn't mean that you, like, I've seen so many people that came to me there, they were told that they can't do anything other than a walk for months and months and months until they get their period back. And I don't necessarily, I don't agree with that personally. So it's not my style, not my vile. Oh my God, (laughs) not my style, not my vibe. Um, but anyways, uh, if you need help with stuff like that, you know, definitely work with a a trained professional or provider. Um, I also have started doing one-on-one personal training again, both virtual and in person. Um, So I actually have a virtual client on Friday and it's cool because during COVID, I worked with tons of people that I was working with in person virtually. So you really can do anything and we can make work with whatever equipment you have, but it's super fun. I mean, it's definitely not the majority of what I do anymore. That used to be what I did all the time, but now seeing clients and stuff, it's, it's harder to fit that in. So I'm excited to fit that in. And because it's all part of like this holistic lifestyle, being strong, being healthy, being fit, um, really does fit into that holistic lifestyle. So, um, I hope this episode was helpful. Hope you learned something. If you haven't yet, please, uh, leave a review on whatever podcast platform you listen to on Spotify. I know you can only rate. So please, if you're enjoying rate five stars, you can rate five stars on Apple. If you're not a words person, that's okay. Just just the five stars is helpful. Honestly, I, I love reading your reviews. I love the support you guys give, but any little bit goes a long way. Even sharing with somebody, that's how we can help to grow the podcast, help get the information out there. So thank you so much in advance. I will see you next week.